Hi, I'm Sherry Todd, a former DJ, now a podcaster. Every week, I hope to take you on an adventure that informs, inspires, and starts conversations. I want to get honest, and I want to get to the heart of life and love. There's going to be good days, bad days, good shows, bad shows. And just like life, we have to figure it out. And I want to figure it out loud. Welcome to Sherry. Hi, everyone. This is Sherry. And first, let me get this out of the way. I have to do it on every episode. Sorry. I'm not a therapist or a psychiatrist. I'm a survivor of child sexual abuse, sharing my journey in hopes of healing. The issues I may talk about are from research and personal experience and may be a trigger for some. So please take that into account as you listen. So how's your week going? Are we all washing our hands? Kind of crazy out there right now. I want to thank you for taking the time and tuning in to part six of my eight-part series, Healing from Child Sexual Abuse. In this episode, I'm going to discuss anger. If you've been through trauma, like abuse, your anger makes sense. When we ignore stuff or self-medicate in response to anger, we only prolong the healing process. Anger is a rational response to abuse. But it's unlikely that you were able to experience, express, or act on your outrage when you were abused. You might not even realize that you had a right to those feelings. Rather than be angry with the person or the people who abused you, you might have denied your anger or turned it in on yourself. Anger turned inward can lead to depression and self-destructive behavior. You might have wanted to hurt or kill yourself. You may criticize yourself relentlessly or feel that you're just a downright bad person. You may have stuffed your anger down with food, drown it with alcohol, stifle it with drugs, or make yourself ill. Having been taught to blame yourself, you stay angry at the child you once were, the child who was vulnerable, who was injured, who was unable to protect herself, who needed affection and attention, who experienced sexual arousal or orgasm. But this child did nothing wrong. She does not deserve your anger. On the other hand, some survivors have been angry their whole lives. They grew up in families or circumstances so pitted against each other that they learned early to fight for survival. Anger was a frequent shield for battle. And sometimes the line between anger and violence is blurred. Some survivors have turned their anger against partners and lovers, friends, co-workers, and children, lashing out destructively. You may find yourself pushing your child against the wall or hitting your lover when you get mad. If violence has been part of your life and you find yourself acting out your anger in abusive ways, you need to get help right away. It's okay to be angry, but it's not okay to be violent. If you don't fight physically, you may pick verbal fights or look for things to criticize. You might want to tell your son to do his homework, and you find yourself yelling and calling him names instead. Your husband forgets your order of McDonald's hash browns, and you tell him he's a stupid idiot. Even though it isn't physically violent, verbal abuse can be just as destructive. Anger doesn't have to be suppressed or destructive. 
Instead, it could be a healthy response to a violation and a powerful healing energy. It's life-changing to direct your anger accurately and appropriately at those who violated you. You must release yourself from any responsibility for what was done to you, placing it clearly on the abuser. Many survivors are afraid to get angry because their past experiences with anger are harmful. As one survivor put it, I don't get the difference between anger and violence yet. When I hear a loud noise, I think they're coming after me. In your family, you might have witnessed anger that was destructive and out of control. But your own anger need not be either. You can channel your anger in ways that you feel good about and respect. Even women with no history of violence are often afraid of getting angry because they think it will consume them. They sense that their anger is deep, and they fear that once they tap into it, they'll be submerged in anger forever, becoming bitter and hostile. Or they're afraid that if they allow themselves to get angry, they'd be capable of hurting or even killing someone. It is rare for women to violently act out their anger toward the people who abuse them as children. For women with no history of violence, the fear that you might suddenly become violent is usually unrealistic. Anger is a feeling, and feelings themselves do not violate anyone. It's important to make the distinction between the experience of feeling angry and the expression of that anger. When you acknowledge your anger, you have the freedom to choose if and how you want to express it. Anger does not have to be an uncontrolled, uncontrollable experience. As you accept your anger and become familiar with it, you can direct it to meet your needs, like an experienced jockey controlling a powerful horse. Another aspect of anger that is often misunderstood, and this keeps women from releasing their unwelcome emotions, is the relationship between anger and love. Anger and love are not incompatible. Most of us have been angry at one time or another with everyone we love or live closely with. We often are angriest with the people we love the most because the pain of their betrayal is the greatest. Yet when you've been abused by someone you love, with whom you shared good experiences, it can be difficult to admit your anger for fear that it will uproot the positive aspects of their relationship or even your entire childhood. But getting angry doesn't negate what was good in your life. You can be furious about the abuse and still hold on to things from your childhood that nourished it. Crazy as it sounds, when you give your anger full expression, it often clears the space to recognize and appreciate the aspects of your childhood that you might have loved or liked. What you forfeit is only your illusion of the abuser as innocent. At some point in facing their abuse, many survivors go through a period of wanting to get back at the people who hurt them. Giving yourself permission to visualize revenge can be a satisfying outlet for your anger. But it's important not to act on violent fantasies. If you meet violence with violence, you stoop to the level of your abuser. 
You have to decide if you want to maintain more abusive behavior or if you want to break the cycle. There are nonviolent means of revenge that can be powerful tools both for healing and for social change. Some survivors have spoken out publicly about their abuse. Others have pursued legal resolution through the criminal justice system or sought restitution from their abusers in civil court. Some survivors feel that revenge is not in their hands. One woman, a devout Christian, said simply, God will take care of him. It's not my job. Another woman said that she couldn't do anything to her father that was worse than what he was doing to himself. He was dying of testicular cancer. And often, the best revenge is living well. Our anger helps us recognize injustice, gives us strength, and counteracts fear and self-destructive behavior. Many survivors would have given in to despair and killed themselves were it not for their anger. Yet anger, if it's your primary emotion, can be a defense. When you maintain a constant state of anger, your experience of life becomes one-dimensional and you avoid having to feel more sensitive emotions such as grief, fear, shame, hopelessness, and terror. It does not feel good to live in a perpetual state of anger and turmoil. What you once experience as exhilaration finally getting to express your outrage, can sometimes become a habitual pattern that is exhausting and debilitating. Anger can also keep you entangled with the person you're angry with in a way that you never intended. Although you may desperately want to get that person out of your life, your active rage can keep the connection alive. It's not healthy to deny your anger, but it's also not healthy to live permanently bound up in your rage. Action, using anger as a motivating force, is a vital part of healing. If you listen to what your anger is telling you, if you allow it to be a guide, then it becomes a valuable resource moving you toward positive change. Women's anger has inspired them to cut ties with abusers. Never again do they have to endure pinches, inappropriate jokes, or drunken advances when they try to eat their Thanksgiving dinner. Women's anger has driven them to quit jobs with domineering bosses, to divorce battering husbands, and to break addictions to drugs and alcohol. Focusing anger precisely onto the abuser and away from yourself clears the way for self-acceptance, self-nurturing, and positive actions in the world. The nature of feelings is ebb and flow. Eventually, your anger will take its place as just one of the wide range of emotions rather than a constant companion. And with that, this brings me to this episode's writing exercise. Write a letter to your abuser. Do not be reasonable. This is not a letter to send. Write exactly what you want to say without thinking about possible repercussions. Be as blunt and hurt and angry as you want to be. Express your longing. Express your grief. Express your rage, your hurt, your humanity. Say it all. Let it be cleansing. You can write this letter more than once because you might have had more than one abuser or your feelings about your abuser may change over time. You may want to write to a non-protective parent or another person as well. 
Now I know I've talked about this before, so I'll talk about it again. I did write a letter to my abuser, my stepfather, when I found out that he was dying from throat cancer. I felt that he needed to know how his actions had affected my life before he died. So I wrote a long letter, and I didn't hold back. I said everything I had to say in that letter. I even forgave him at the end. Then I mailed the letter. It wasn't until 15 or so years later, I found out that he never got the letter. And strangely enough, I wasn't angry. I wasn't hurt, other than the fact I felt the people who knew could have told me. But the fact that I had wrote the letter was healing. That just writing it was like a weight lifted off my shoulders. And I've never regretted writing it. Now, with this exercise, you don't have to send your letter. But my motive was to break him. That was part of my anger. I wanted to break him. I wanted him to read the words of what he did to me and how it made me feel and how it affected my life. I was hoping that it would just destroy him. Now, I no longer have that anger or any feelings about him. Time to time, his name is brought up for various reasons. And I listen like he's just a villain from a horror story. And now I feel like I'm the one that destroyed the villain. Therefore, I believe we survivors are heroes in our own stories. Healing is continuous, which I am still experiencing, which is why I bought this book and why everything I'm sharing is from this book, The Courage to Heal, written by Ellen Bass, or it could be Ellen Bass, I'm not 100% sure, and Laura Davis. If you're still having a hard time dealing with your abuse, or you know someone who has been abused and you want to help or understand better, get this book. It's helping me, and maybe it will help you or someone you know. Now, like I said before, I'm not a therapist or a psychiatrist. I have no degree in mental health. I'm just a survivor sharing my story in hopes of healing. But if you feel you are in crisis and you need to talk to someone, a professional, please call anytime at 800-656-HOPE, 800-656-H-O-P-E, 800-656-H-O-P-E, HOPE. Now in the next episode, part seven of my eight-part series, Healing from Child Sexual Abuse, This is a central issue for many survivors, self-esteem and trusting yourself. That's on the next Share a P. Thank you for listening and any comments, suggestions, recipes, anything you want to talk about, email me at podcast at sherapywithsherrytodd.com. Podcast at sherapywithsherrytodd.com. And don't forget to follow Sherapy on Facebook or Instagram. Have a great week. Remember, wash your hands, stay safe, and to always embrace your voice. See you, bye. You can find Sherapy with Sherry Todd in your iTunes, Spotify, Anchor, or other favorite podcast apps. And don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss an episode.